Father God, we just want to say thank you again for another wonderful day. And Lord, it's nasty outside and as it's cool and rainy, it could have been really tempting to just stay at home today. God, I just want to say thank you for every man and woman and young person that's come out just to give this time to you. And Lord, I pray that as we gather together that you would be with us. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be in this place. And God, we we don't want to waste this moment. Lord, people have got up early. They got dressed this morning. I'm sure family members fought today. And there's just tension on Sunday mornings for some reason to to get to church. And Lord, I just, we pray that this would not just be to come just because we're supposed to. But God, that we would be here and expect and are ready for you to work and move. God, that we would be humble, that we would be receptive to your spirit working and moving in us, but also working and moving through us. And Jesus, we love you today, and we are just so thankful for your birth. God, we're thankful for your death. We're thankful for your resurrection. All of this gives us hope that when we make it through this life and we are called home, that we have an eternity to look forward to. So God, I pray that we would not take what we do for granted. We would not take... The Christmas music, just the time of service, the worship, the singing, the prayer, the scripture reading, that we would not take it for granted, but God, we would come with open hearts and open minds and ready and desiring for you to work in us. And Father, as always, we pray for our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be here today. Lord, there's health issues and situations and circumstances that are hindering people from being here. And God, we just pray that you would work and move in their hearts and lives. I know we got a lot of sick people this morning who are just dealing with viruses and things like that. So be with those families. Be with the ones who have serious illnesses. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be with them right now as we ask you to also be with us. Lord, we love you today. We thank you so much for this opportunity to be together. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. What well, is great to see you guys again. So thankful that you're here. Um, as we're talking about what it means to orchestrate a holy night, to orchestrate something so amazing and wonderful and spectacular, uh, you know, to, to think about the birth of Jesus, it, it really is the most incredible story on earth. To think about the thousands of years of preparation and waiting, the 400 and something prophecies leading up to the coming of Christ, um, just, just to know that there were kingdoms and empires that God rose up and destroyed uh, just to put the right pieces in the right place in the world, geographically, politically, uh, spiritually, that all these things were lined up in the perfect time, in the perfect moment for Jesus Christ to come and to be born. And that's what we're celebrating this year. 
And last week we talked about the preparation of Israel. And we focused on that story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and how special that was that there was 400 and something years of silence and God finally broke through and, and if from what we read in Scripture and understand gave the first message that Israel had received in over 400 years and chose these two amazing elderly people who were obedient all right, they were obedient, they were righteous. He chose these two people to to steward this child, John the Baptist, who would preach and prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. So God is working and moving, and He's preparing all these little pieces along the way to make sure that when Jesus is here, when He comes, He's here, that everything's ready, and it's exactly how it should be. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so this morning... As we're reading, we're talking about the preparation of the parents. You know, we forget a lot about, about Zachariah and Elizabeth because it comes a little bit before the Christmas story and it precedes it a little bit, but it's actually the beginning of what's to come. And today we're talking about this whole idea of preparing Mary and Joseph. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever done this before, but uh, typically when we read books and we watch movies and, and we're reading about something that's happening to someone we like to identify with the character. Like we try to put ourselves in their shoes and think about it. And so this morning, ladies, I don't know if you've ever done that before, but to really sit back and think about what it would actually be like to be Mary, to get the news that we're about to read and that she's going to receive, to have to make decision on whether or not she's going to accept this, and even Joseph. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. So as we uh, study this today, let's look at Luke chapter 1. Verses 26 through 38, and this is the birth of Jesus being foretold as the angel Gabriel comes and visits with Mary. So let's read this together. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. And so this is, you know, at least six months after the story that we just read last week. Now, a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. And we talked about this last week, that every time there's a moment where an angel comes and presents himself, where someone is, is faced with, with this message from the Lord, that they're always afraid, but there's always the message of don't be afraid. And I, I can't imagine what it would be like to, to be uh, an angel and to just basically, every time you present yourself to someone, don't be afraid. Think about what you would have to look like if you had to introduce yourself to someone every day in every way and be like, don't be afraid, it's just me. What you would have to look like in order to have to say that every time before you presented yourself to someone. But there's something going on with this idea of when we encounter the presence of God, whether it's through God's actual presence or it's through even His angels who are coming to deliver messages on His behalf, that fear is a very common experience in that moment. So, in saying all that, let's get back to it. Verse 31, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. 
and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age, and people used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and may everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. We have to be really careful when we read stuff like this. Because as Christians, I'm sure every year when December comes around, if you've been in church, you've probably spent close to a month going through the Christmas story and reading this over and over and over again. And maybe you sit down with your family and you've read through the Christmas story with your family. And there's when we do that, when we get really familiar with passages of Scripture, we have a tendency to just veg out. Right, just zone out while we're reading this stuff and skip over them and really lose a lot of things that God wants to communicate with us and really can communicate with us as long as we're willing to pay attention and to be open and look for nuggets. So these are some things I want to share with you this morning. Point number one, God's plans are usually difficult to comprehend. I've never met anyone who has given their heart to the Lord and is really committed to following God. People who's gone into ministry, people who's gone into mission fields, people who's uh, just really just even just living what we would say a normal life and working and serving the Lord. It's never been easy or simple. It's always typically hard to comprehend, hard to understand, especially in the beginning when God first calls us. And I can imagine that there's probably some people in here this morning that you feel like God has spoken to you. You feel like God uh, may want you to do something. It might be something as simple as he, he wants you to grow closer with Him and read your Bible more or pray more or you know, commit yourself to Him more. Maybe it's to, to leave some sin behind and, and be, become more obedient in your life. It could be some of you are here this morning and you're living a good Christian life, but you know God wants more from you. And it's terrifying sometimes to know that because whenever the, when we first feel those things in our life, we don't know exactly how it's going to happen. We don't know the process, the road. We don't know what all it's going to entail. And when you read this story right here, you know, I just want to call your attention to verse 29 where it says that Mary was confused and disturbed. Now here's this young woman who's approached by an angel of the Lord. Like he, he's given her this message. She has been favored above all women, which is pretty incredible. I mean, you think about all the women in the world, young ladies, some of you older ladies, to think that if God came to you and said, above all the other women in the world, you are the one I've chosen to do this. I'm going to give you my son, and you're going to be responsible for raising him. Now you think about how difficult it is to raise children and how many times as a parent we have messed that up. And we've had to repent and we've had to apologize and we're just like, man, like I really screwed that up. I should do that better. And you think for God to come to you and say, and there's some, there's some weight in that because you know it's your kid and you realize the responsibility and how heavy that is. Imagine if God said, I'm going to let you steward my one and only son and the weight that would come with that. 
And here's Mary, this really young woman. You know, a lot of scholars believe she would have been somewhere between like 12 and 16 years of age. She's young. She's a virgin. She's betrothed to be married. She's engaged. She hasn't even really started her life yet. And this angel has come and just dropped this bomb right in the middle of her life. And she does not know what to do. She's confused. She's disturbed. She's probably afraid because the angel's like, don't be afraid. But the angel always says, and she doesn't really know, she just doesn't know how to take the message. And I just want to share with you this morning, like, to think about someone like Mary who was chosen above all other women. I think it's pretty fair to say that if God's speaking to you, if God's moving and working in your life, if He's calling you to something, or if He's calling you away from something, or if He's moving and working and you feel led in some way, shape, or form, and you're confused and you're disturbed and you don't really know what to do or how to go about or even how to start, don't feel alone. Because even the woman who was chosen above all other women in the world to bring about the Son of God in the flesh was confused and disturbed. And it would have been extremely, extremely difficult. You know, God's plans are usually hard for us to accept because they're so different from the world. When you look at this process, this is not an ordinary process. Even thinking about last week to Zachariah and Elizabeth, it's like, yeah, they were old. Yeah, they were beyond the age of being able to have children, but God gave them a child through normal worldly means. Like it was, it was like out of the time frame, but it was still according to normal worldly means. But now God is about to bring about his son in an abnormal miraculous way, even more miraculous than what Zechariah and Elizabeth did. And the truth is, is we're so used and accustomed to just the world and what's normal and what's possible. And we settle on that a lot of times. And so many times we forget that we serve a God who can literally do anything that He wants to do. And it's confusing and it's hard and you might be sitting here this morning you're like, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how this is going to be accomplished. I don't know how you're going to work this out in my life. I don't know how you're going to answer this prayer. I don't know how. I just can't see it. And we need to remind ourselves constantly that we serve a God who is more than able to do the practical, but He's also more than able to do the impractical. He is able to do the impossible. He's able to do the abnormal, the extraordinary. All the things that we say, this can't be done, that's exactly what God can do. That's the type of God that we serve. And we have to remind ourselves that as we follow the Lord, that God has never called us to do something that was within comfort. You know, it's amazing what we as people are willing to give up for comfort and sacrifice for comfort. To be warm when it's cold, to be cool when it's hot, to have food, to have water, just like the basic comforts of life. It's amazing what people are willing to sacrifice just to be comfortable, not to be stretched, not to be pushed, not to be put in a situation that is beyond what they're comfortable with. And you need to understand this morning that as God calls us as followers, there's never been a person in this world that God has called to follow Him in comfort. But to know that as you follow Christ, He will more than likely call you to discomfort. 
And it says in Scripture, and it's affirmed time and time again all throughout the New Testament, that we are called to suffer with Christ. And that may not necessarily mean that we're going to hang on a cross and suffer and die just like Him, but in many different ways, all of us will put our life to death so that we can have eternal life with Christ. We will sacrifice things. We will sacrifice our lives. There will be relationships, friendships. There will be so many things in life that we'll be called to give up and to move away from that are comfortable in order to follow Christ and fulfill His will in our life. That's what all Christians are called to. You look at any person in Scripture, any character that was of any significance, that did anything great in the name of God, and their life was difficult. And they suffered. And they had many hardships as they followed the Lord. And they were not accepted by most people in the midst of that. And that's what we're called to. And then you look at this young lady who is called to have this crazy thing happen in her life. And like I said earlier, for you, you women to put yourselves in her shoes, you know, to think that, you know, here she is, she's a young woman. And you got to think about the culture, the geographical context, everything about her life. She's done everything that she's supposed to do as a young woman leading up to this time. She saved herself. She's a virgin. She's engaged to be married. She's about to bring honor to her family through this marriage. And God comes in and says, I want you to bear my child. And this isn't going to be Joseph's child. It's going to be my child. And he drops the bomb right in the middle of it and says, I've chosen you to do this. And it's hard for Mary to understand. So point number two. We have to realize it's okay to question the method, but to never question God. It's okay to question the method, but to never question God. And I love this passage because there's, there's a lot of really cool connections between this story and the story we did last week with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Because when you look last week at Zechariah, whenever he's in the temple and he's um, ministering before the Lord, and he's burning the incense, and the angel appears to him, you remember Zechariah said, how can I be sure that this will happen? And the difference in Zechariah's question, and it's very subtle, like when you look at the questions, they almost look the same. But when you look at the actual wording of the question and then the heart and, and what Mary adds on to it in a little bit is two very different questions. Because Zechariah says, how can I be sure that this will happen? And you remember Gabriel chastised him and said, I stand in the very presence of God and he sent me to give you this message. And because you didn't believe, now you won't be able to speak. And Zechariah was more focused on how can he know that God was actually going to do what he said he was going to do. He lacked faith. And Gabriel said, because you didn't believe, you will not be able to speak until after the child is born. But when you look at Mary and you look at her question, she says, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And so in the context of this, this young woman who's this, received this message from the Lord that's absolutely abnormal. I mean, like kind of absurd if you think about it. And she's sitting there thinking, okay, like, God, you say this, but how? 
And whenever we go back to the point of it's okay to question the method, but to never question God, there's so many of us in this room right now that we know God is leading us or he's speaking to us or he's calling us or he's, he's convicting us of things in our life. And we are sitting here and we're just like, God, how, how do I know this is you? How, how do I know this is you speaking to me? How do I know that this can even happen? And there's a big difference between us asking the question, how do I, how do I know, how do I understand, how can I comprehend, versus, God, how are you going to do this? You see the difference in the two? Because one of them says, God, I believe that you can do it. I believe that you have the ability. I believe that this is what you want. This is your plan. Just show me or reveal to me how this is going to happen. Because many of us in here, we, we, like we said, we identify so much more with Zechariah because even though Zechariah was righteous and he was obedient and Elizabeth was obedient and, and they were very careful to obey everything the Lord commanded them to do, he still struggled in his faith, which so many of us do. And we have to be careful that as we're serving God that we don't get caught up in, uh, in this moment of realizing that in the moment we're struggling with our faith versus we're curious and we just want to be on board with God's plan because Zechariah doubted. He lacked the faith. Mary believed, but she's just like, I don't understand. Like According to her knowledge of what it meant to have a child at that time, she was going to be unable to have a child. She's like, God, I believe you can do this, but how? Because I'm a virgin. It didn't make sense. You follow me this morning? So in the midst of what God may be calling you or leading you to do, don't doubt that God can do it. But our response should be crying out before the Lord and pleading and having that conversation and praying and saying, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to answer my prayer? How are you going to touch my loved one? How are you going to deliver me from this sin? How are you going to help me accomplish what you're calling me to? How are you going to help me be bold and share the gospel with other people? How are you going to help me to speak truth? How are you going to help me to be a better husband or a wife or a better son or daughter or father or mother? There's a big difference between questioning God and then questioning the method. And in this story, you see as she asks the question, she's not questioning God. She's questioning, how is this going to happen? Because she wanted to understand. We have to be people of faith. And again, we serve a God who is more than capable of doing things normally, and He's more than doing things extraordinarily, supernaturally. What we might think is impossible, God is perfectly capable of doing all that. And we have to remind ourselves that we have to trust and believe in that. And when we trust and believe and we resolve ourselves, God, I'm going to believe this. Even though I don't understand it, I'm going to believe it. But help me to understand. Point number three, Mary was completely obedient. I think the past four weeks, um, our, our previous sermon series, which had nothing to do with what we're talking about this month, it's... To me, it's, it's not surprising at all because I always feel like God does this. He always kind of like, there's something that God, uh, there, there's this thing where God like just reaffirms stuff over and over and over again. And for the past four weeks, obedience has been huge. And, we, and when you look at Mary, she was completely obedient. And, and, and I loved that, uh, you know, you look last week about Zechariah, they were obedient. 
Like he struggled with his faith, but him and Elizabeth were obedient. They were willing to do it. He just, you know, in that moment, he struggled with his faith. But God always chooses people who are obedient. It is absolutely amazing. It's so necessary for us as we read Scripture. If you're sitting here this morning, you say, man, I want to serve God. I want to do something great in the name of the Lord. Or I just want to be a good servant of the Lord. I don't even have to do anything great. I just want to serve God. Obedience. Serving God in obedience, that's always the people that he chooses. And Mary is is this young girl who gives this stellar example. It's almost humbling and it's almost shaming to us in a certain context because the the one person that God uses to bring Jesus Christ into this world is someone young. Someone who was completely obedient and willing to say, God... Whatever you want, I will do. Let it be as you say, I'm the Lord's servant. How humbling is that that a teenage girl can come to that resolve to let her life be completely uprooted and turned over to do God's will, and yet we struggle with just like kind of day-to-day decisions to just surrender to the Lord. Because I do. It's very difficult But the whole process of obedience, it starts, and it's something that we have to live out. And I want to share with you this morning, if you're not living your daily life, and it doesn't mean you have to be perfect, okay? Like, you're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. We're not perfect. But if we're living our lives in obedience to Christ and the calling that God's put on our life, When God comes to call us to do something that sounds ridiculous to the rest of the world, there's a good chance that you're going to be willing to do it because you've been obedient the whole time. And people have track records. And if you find yourself struggling with just obeying just the normal day in and day day out life of following Christ, why would God trust you to do something great if you're struggling in the day in and day out process? Obedience is huge. And Mary was absolutely obedient. She was so young and so willing to let God have His way in her life. And I would dare say that most of us, including myself, we're, we're not too willing to do that. And I can tell you from personal experience in my own life, I have fought God more times than I would like to admit on a lot of things in my life. Called ministry, just different stuff, relationships in so many ways, fought God so hard on, on things and just not willing to surrender because I had in my mind what I wanted and what I wanted to do, what I thought was right, and God would work and move and I would resist Him. And we have to be careful not to do that. You know, there's something great that happens whenever we live in obedience and we don't we don't talk about it a lot, and I don't think this should be the goal. But in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 32, we, we read this Wednesday night in our Bible study. But Solomon writes, he says, Such wicked people are detestable to the Lord, but he offers his friendship to the godly. And you know, as believers, there's this, especially in Proverbs, there's this understanding that fear is important. Like there should be a fear of the Lord. That's the beginning. That's the foundation of wisdom. And so, like, we should have fear of the Lord. We should have, like, this attitude of being humble and surrendering and serving and obedience. And, like, there's so many things in Scripture as you read through it where Christ has, um, 
the message of, of Jesus redeeming us, like we've been bought with a price, like we belong to Christ because He bought us. Number one, He created us. But then even when we wandered astray, He bought us back. He redeemed us. And so then it talks about like we're being adopted into the family of God. So we go through this whole idea of basically like slaves and servants and children, and we're adopted in this family. And then we, as we grow in Christ, it, it talks about and this affirms it over again in Scripture that as we serve the Lord and as we follow Him, as we're obedient to Him, like we become friends of God. Like you go back and you look in Exodus and you read about Moses. It says that Moses was a friend of God. And it wasn't because Moses was spectacular or he was like the most talented. You know, you remember Moses did not want to serve the Lord and do what God was calling him to do in the beginning. Lord, I can't speak right. I can't talk right. I'm not the guy to do this. And he kept telling him. And the Lord says, no, you're the guy. I've called you. I'll give you the words to say. I'll do everything that you need to do. And Moses followed the Lord. And he was obedient to God, even in the midst of the entire nation rebelling, sinning, grumbling, Moses was faithful to the Lord. In fact, the only thing that you could say that Moses did not do right was whenever they were out in the wilderness and God told him to speak to the rock and Moses was mad and he hit the rock instead of speaking to it. But Scripture said that Moses was a friend of God. And so this morning, you know, I challenge you, it's not a matter of you sitting here today and it's like, well, I want to be a friend of God. And then you start buddying up, smoothing him, and trying to figure out what it is. And like, no, like you go through the proper process. Like you humble yourself, you submit yourself to God, you become his servant, you be obedient to him, you, you do what scripture's calling you to do. You get to the point where you, you feel like you're adopted, like you're a true child of God. And in your relationship with Christ, as you grow, as you serve, as you live in obedience, you're invited into a friendship with God. Like that's the moment whenever God comes to you and he says, look, I know that like we, we uh, had this moment in our, in, in our relationship where I was calling you and I asked you and you suffered and you've done this, but I trust you enough now where I feel like I can do something like asking Mary to bring his son into the world. But it doesn't just happen. You know, we miss that a lot of times in Scripture. It does not just happen. It's not like God just comes up and picks this random person by chance and says, I've chosen you to do this. It's like, no, these people were faithful to God. They did the little things. They served him. They honored him. And it's really important in our life to do the same, that we are serving God in little ways that we're being completely obedient. Point number four, last one, and we'll be done. God will bring other people along in due time. You might be sitting here this morning, and whether it's calling God to follow Him closer, whether it's leaving sin behind, maybe God's calling you to move out of a friendship or out of a relationship, Whatever it may be. Maybe God's calling you to do something. You're just like, I don't know how my husband or wife is going to respond to this. I don't know how our kids are going to respond to this. I, if you're sitting here today and God spoke to you and you feel like, I don't know what to do with this person or these people in my life. How are they going to take this? God will bring them along in His time. You know, we focus a lot on Mary, deservingly. She's a wonderful example of faith. Wonderful example of obedience. 
But even as hard as it would be, because there's a little bit of in this, it would be difficult for Mary to accept this. But in the same sense, this is happening to Mary. God has chosen her. There's a little bit of specialness in this. But when you think about it from the perspective of Joseph, and if you're a man in here this morning, and you think about putting yourself in his shoes, it's a lot different to, to be engaged to someone and then to find out that you're your spouse or your, your engagement partner is comes up pregnant and now you have a decision to make on what you're going to do. Extremely difficult, extremely different, and we don't get to read this whole process about what happened between that moment, how Joseph found out that she was pregnant, you know, that, that whole thing of what was going on. But if you look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 through 24, let's read this together. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And in that one verse, you see so much of Joseph's heart and his character in this moment. Because he had every right to hold her accountable and could have basically uh, held her accountable to the point of adultery because she was already committed to him in this culture even though they were not married yet. Like the commitment and the agreement and the bond was there. But in the midst of this, like you think about what it says about Joseph, he was righteous and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. His reputation... What people were going to say about him was not important enough for him to take action or to have revenge or to get even or anything like that. It was simply this point of, okay, she did this. This is not for me. I'm not willing to be a part of this. So he's going to divorce her quietly. It says a lot about Joseph and his character and his relationship with the Lord. Verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. And when you think about what it means to be chosen for moments like this, it is absolutely amazing to see the willingness of these two potentially young people. A lot of people uh, debate as to how old Joseph would have been at this time. But to see these two people and Mary being young, so willing to just do what God has said, this is what I'm going to use you for. And they're like, okay. Because they were already living it. It wasn't like it was this great stretch for them to do this. They were already serving the Lord. They were already obedient. They were already familiar with the passages of Scripture. They were already familiar with all the things from the Old Testament that God had done that seemed impossible, that seemed miraculous. And so when God came and said, I want to use you to do this, they were like, okay, I'm willing. They had already been living the life so that they were ready when God came knocking at their door. As we talk about this this morning... And you talk about the preparation of the parents. There wasn't a whole lot of preparation that needed to be made. God just had to send the message. 
And thankfully, Mary was willing. And thankfully, Joseph was willing. And at, at the right time, in God's timing, even after Joseph had, you know, it's not like God went. And he didn't reveal it to Joseph at the same time that he revealed it to Mary. It's not like they come together on this and said, oh, like God shared this special. Like, no, it would have been a rough, rocky patch. It would have been some extremely difficult and disappointing news for Joseph. But in God's timing, when he was ready, he brought the other along to go with him. And both of these people were responsible for raising the Savior of the world. And it's like we, we neglect how important and how heavy and how stressful that would be. You know, I think when you have kids and you're trying to raise them and keep them alive and you're just like, man, if I can just get them to this stage or get them to this stage or get them to this stage, you think like, oh, maybe it'll be easier and it won't be as stressful. And then you find out, it's like, I think it gets harder as they get older um, because you have less control in that moment. But to think about what it, how the weight it would be in your life to raise the very Son of God and the expectations that come with that. And Mary and Joseph were willing And they did what God told them to do, not because they deserved it or not because they were capable, but they had faith and they believed and they were willing to do what God asked them to do. And God gave them everything they needed to bring the Savior of the world to us so that you and I could have salvation. The question is, in your life, are you going to live it every day so that when God comes knocking whether it be for simple things or whether it be for extraordinary things, are you going to be ready and willing? Because if you're not living it leading up to it, you're not going to be ready when God comes knocking and ready to call someone to do the amazing things that we read about today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you so much for sending your one and only son. God, thank you for people like Zechariah and Elizabeth. Thank you for people like Mary and Joseph who were obedient and who were living it out because they could have just checked out. They could have just said, no, nah, nothing's happened. Nothing, nothing significant's happened in centuries. We could just, we can mail it in and we can coast. But God, thank you for people who are willing to serve you and honor you. And I pray that you would give us the strength and desire in our hearts and lives to serve you and live for you in obedience so that we can be ready to do great things in your name. We love you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.